Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Johnson Records, whose newest release is the Fitness 7-inch by Northeast Regional. This release shows Northeast Regional leveling up from a solo project to a full-blown band, and Fitness benefits from writing as a group, as well as getting to play some live shows before recording. The songs on Fitness build on Lungfish's Less Is More songwriting approach, but increase the BPMs in lieu of hypnotic arpeggios. The three-guitar attack from Jeff Byers, Mike Morris, and James Dubeck echoes Rocket from the Crips heavy rock riffs, Party of Helicopters metallic leads, The Hive's hyperpunk energy, Miniger's sense of melody, and even elements of Danzig that all coalesce into a colossal wall of sound. Check out the first track, Agencies, on the Tor Johnson Bandcamp and pre-order the record now. The first 30 copies get an extra special gift. After that, head over to torjohnsonrecords.com and check out the thousands of records across all genres available in their web store. Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and we have a great show lined up for you today. Before we get started, though, I'd like to remind you about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash human machine. You can sign up for free now, but of course, if you want to support the show, you can pick a tier that works for you and um, help us keep growing. I also never really mentioned that you can follow us on Instagram at Everything Remade. Um, Basically just show updates at this time, but I also do like to put out the call for who you want to hear on the show. So yeah, stop by patreon.com slash human machine and follow us on Instagram at Everything Remade. And now I'd like to play something for you. You're hearing If Money Is Power by Phoenix Bodies, featuring my pal Derek Black on vocals. The song comes off of their legendary album, Raise the Bullshit Flag, which you can find online. I first met Derek over 20 years ago in a driveway waiting for bands to play in the basement of a house I would go to live in for over 20 years. My desire to play music was really just like fully rooted like in punk rock and like outsider art like existing. Like I don't want to sound like too pretentious around that, but like. Oh no, we get there. (laughs) (laughs) But like I was like in seventh grade uh like i was approached to be in a band and like at the time like around that i was super into like very entry-level punk rock stuff like the sex pistols and the misfits and stuff Mm -hmm. uh and to me being like 13 years old that was like crazy out of this universe music for someone that had mostly just lived in small town Indiana up to that point. Um, like I'm from Greensburg, Indiana. Like you might not know that. But it's okay. like 
a real small town. It's like halfway between Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Oh, okay. And I just moved to Indianapolis around that time. And like the only friends I made were just like weird punk kids. And, um, I was more just interested in being a part of like this outsider community rather than like, Oh, I want to play music that sounds like X, Y, and Z. It was more like, Oh, I want to be a part of something that just like spews out <laughs> like a disgusting substance all over everything else that everyone likes. Um, so, yeah. uh, that was always kind of my vibe with like creating things. Um, is I just didn't want to be like something else, but I don't know. Um, like the first two CDs I ever bought were Nevermind the Bullocks and Beck Odelay. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't have a song in mind. Sorry to say. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfectly understandable. I mean, some like, if you ask me, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'd come up with one right off the bat either, but, um, I liked Don's answer a lot. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to stick with this question for a minute. <laughs> because that was very unexpected from Don. Just, oh, yeah, Guns N' Roses, patience. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, like, definitely, I think that answer is, is even even if people do know like that one song that really set them off or whatever. I think that answer is in a lot of people's DNA. It's like, that's where it came from. It was, it was like, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was some people get that out of team sports or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, but then like us weirdos and stuff, like we gravitate to different things. And, um, it would it's like comic books or music or whatever and some of us you know just gravitate to all of that but um like yeah for sure when you were asked to be in a band did you play anything or was it just like okay well i guess now's the time to start i didn't and when i was asked to be in a band i didn't have like anything to contribute at that moment i was like sorry like i don't have anything <laughs> but uh like a year or so later, I had saved up some money and bought like a Squire, like P bass or something like that for like 300 bucks. Um, and started playing in a band when I was like 14 or 15 or something like that. Um, with my pal Kevin that, uh, was also in like a later Phoenix bodies lineup. And we were in that band, Holy Bible together. Um, and yeah, we started playing in this band called The Seamen. Um, and we played at like really small places in Indianapolis, like Smedley's Dream and like the Smith Valley Community Center. And that was probably like 1997, 98 or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, the yeah. people that asked that sort of planted the seed. And then it was just like, okay. And I, and so like bass was the first thing. And is that the only thing that you play? 
Uh, I mean, that's the only thing I've really played like on recordings and stuff. I play synthesizers and I play guitar and stuff like that at home for myself. Um, like where I'm at with music now is it's like kind of just like I avoid any and all of the work aspects of it. It's really just purely a hobby. Like I like to make music, but I don't care to be other people's entertainment. And I don't feel like, I feel like I've said all I have to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that's exactly true, but I feel like I've uh, contributed enough that I can let other people do what they want to do now. And I don't have to be a part of the dialogue anymore. Um, so yeah, I play music probably like two hours a week or something by myself at home. Yeah. And that's, that's what I like to do. Um, but it's not like I need to spend four hours a day practicing and I need to spend you know all this time recording stuff and cleaning it up and revising. And then um, so you mentioned Don from Usurp Synapse. Um, we played in a band together for a little bit, too, and it was like. I listened to your episode with him um, like two weeks ago mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my God, I miss Don so much. And then the next week um, they were using one of my vans to play some shows. And I was like, all right, I'll go to your show. And it's like, Don was just on my doorstep and it was like, no time had passed, even though I literally yeah. had seen them for like 20 years. And um, yeah, it was just like great to reconnect and, like see his other side of it. But like I went to their show and it was like, we showed up at three o'clock or something for them to play at like 11 PM. And it's like, this is what I do not miss. It's just sitting in a room that's painted black for like seven hours while someone plays the Cro-Mags really loud on a PA. Uh, Like I, I don't miss that at all in my life, but I don't want it back. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's fair. Like, um, similar sentiment from my wife who like was the keyboard player in a Camille and like, you Mm -hmm. know, we have had recording projects over the years and I'm like, you know, do you ever want to like, do you ever want to like take, take, like make a band out of one of these things and like go play some shows? And she's like, Oh no. (laughs) <laughs> she's like yeah. I, I do not miss that shit whatsoever and yeah, yeah i mean i i can like i can see it from both sides i mean i certainly uh still really enjoy playing shows um of course like it's kind of it's kind of like even though i'm like still like fairly active and stuff um like i like I play play drums a bit. I play guitar a lot. Um and like you know, I'm fairly active. Uh but um it's it's weird how you you it's like you almost forget like just the uh the what the adrenaline and like playing for 20 minutes like does to your body and like yeah. <laughs> you, you really have to be like fine like you have to be in shape for that like you have to be used to that and so you know we played that show and then i'm just like the next day i'm just like yeah i just don't want to do anything today i feel a little <laughs> like i got my ass beat and um yeah uh and then 
there's yeah yeah i mean like i was recording guitars today and i recorded with this like uh epiphone les paul that i have and i was like i need to sell that guitar because i <laughs> i cannot like this guitar is way too heavy i cannot play yeah, this guitar anymore i'm not like used to it i'm not like in shape i'm not in like les paul playing shape um <laughs> like this is something you know like uh, your body just like you after a certain point you know you just you have to do things like you have to work up to something and you have to do it like slowly but then you have to do it consistently or your body's just like no i don't want to do that and um as much as i love playing shows my body is sort of in that mode where it's like you you don't like why are you doing this and um yeah. i don't know it's um it's it's interesting to like um you know, you're not the first person that's like, yeah, I just like to play music, like, and I have no ambitions, like, to, you know, show it to people or, or anything like that. Um, I mean, there's like, like, lots of times when I am just playing just to have fun. And I, I, I do, obviously, still record a lot of stuff and et cetera, et cetera. And Every once in a while I'm playing and I'm like, I'll play something that's really cool. And, um, and I, I'm like, Oh, I'll totally remember that. And of course I don't remember it. Right. So <laughs> oh God, I'm the worst of that. I never remember anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's, a, so it's, it, it is kind of neat though too. Right. Because like, if you don't, if you don't record it, if you don't, you know, make, if you don't like save it for, for posterity, then it mm -hmm. like almost has this like, more special quality in your brain like yeah. it lives like perfectly right because i love that thread um like right before i saw don again uh i was moving around some boxes in my house and i found a cd of a band that we did for like three months and I was like, I don't even know if this works. And I set it aside and it probably been sitting like on my record player and near it um, for like a month. And then I saw Donna's like, oh, my God, I have that CD that you recorded for this band we were in. And I was like, I'll give it to you tomorrow because I went to two of the Usurp Synapse shows. And I hadn't even listened to it. I didn't even know if it worked. And I put it into my girlfriend's uh she had a CD player in her car, which neither of us even knew that she had one in there. <laughs> <laughs> and to hear these songs that, like, I just, like, no one remembered them. Like, it was, it was so strange to be like, oh, yeah, like, we spent, like, you know, 15, 20 hours a week just, like, hanging out, writing and playing these songs all the time for, like, three or four months, and then even after all that, you still just like completely forget about it. It was like hearing stuff from another planet. Like I didn't remember anything that we did at all. Yeah. Uh, to catch up with him to see if he listened to it or remembered anything from it. Uh, but that was, I mean, that's what I like doing is just like collaborating with friends and making um, new things. And I don't like begrudge anyone for wanting to do that or wanting to make recordings and share it with the world because that was super important for me for a while, but at a point it's like, Oh yeah, you've done this like a lot. 
<laughs> Maybe there's <laughs> some other stuff you can do that's more interesting or just like can expand myself as a human being more than, um, you know, sitting in a dark room for seven hours waiting to go on stage. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did the, um, how did the CD hold up? Like from, from your memory, like you said, it, it, it's practically alien at that point, but like, yeah. but what was it like? It, it was a good, like feeling like hearing it again. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like both better and worse than I remembered. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that can that can be the case. It can be better and worse. Yeah, yeah. Because I looked on it fondly because I at the t- like my memory of it without hearing it was like, oh yeah, that was such like cool music, and it was a shame that like um, Josh, one of the guitar players, moved away right after that. We didn't do anything with it. But, like, I'd moved on. I was like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. Like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I listened to it, and I was like, these songs aren't as, like, cool or hard-hitting as I thought they were, um, like, in my brain. But listening to them, there was, like, different nuance to it where it was, like, actually way more kind of, like, pop-oriented than I imagined. And I think it's just, like, Hey, you know, you make something 20 years ago, um, like times are going to change and what's ever like edgy and weird then is now just kind of like a commonplace thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was, it was neat. Yeah. That kind of happened one time, like with something like I found a cassette tape that we had recorded. It was like this thing that we thought was really like novel and abrasive and it was like two it was like two drum kits and just like super loud like distorted bass and um and like three people screaming and and um we 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 recorded it on this like boom box which like um doesn't it sounds that that sounds like oh yeah of course it's gonna sound like shit but this boom box like for some reason like i was able to get like I mean, some people have paid money for recordings that this boom box can like match, you know, and, and, <laughs> but it was just like, we, I put this tape in after I found it, I like remembered the name and it's got that on there. And I was like, Oh no way. And I put it in and I was like, mm, no, we were just like drunk, I guess. Like <laughs> this was not good. <laughs> like, you know, we were 21, like just turned 20 on and it was, you know, and we were, yeah, I guess we were just drunk. <laughs> this wasn't good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't even like mm, it wasn't even like wild you know what i mean like it wasn't even like oh well this is this feels like like chaotic or a little bit unhinged you mm-hmm. know it, it wasn't even like like oh this is like super messy and so it's kind of interesting in that respect it was it was like just i don't know <laughs> it was just like nah <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's the thing though like it's great to have like a creative outlet and stuff but maybe you don't need to like package it and sell it to people (laughs) you know yeah you can just love that experience and have that there and uh yeah it doesn't have to be a big event or production or anything all the time it felt really good at the time and um you know that's all that that's all that 
ended up becoming of it, and that's you know that's fine. I I obviously do uh, I do obviously record like a lot of songs, and um, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. I have like a really like you know you said that like. Y- you know, one of your primary interests was like doing this stuff with your friends, you know, and that's kind of like, like me to a fault is, is that like, I just, the thing that I was recording earlier today is just because like somebody that I know has been like, I really want to like try doing vocals in a band and just, this just hasn't happened for them, you know? And I'm just like, you know what? Like, we're going to tick that box for you. And like, I just can't help myself in that kind of situation. I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like when I was a kid, um, like a lot of people didn't take me seriously. Like when I wanted to do something, you know, and like when I was real little, it was like sports, you know, because that's what the other kids did. And so it was like, oh, you want to play football with us? Even though I like weighed like. 50 pounds you know when I was like 10 years old and so I like just got my ass beat but I but I did it and it's like I always had that thing where it's like I feel like if I feel like somebody's not if they're not getting their chance or like people aren't taking them seriously like that that offends me (laughs) for some reason you know and I'm like I I don't know I'm just like okay like what's what's four songs Like, like okay let's write four songs let's let's do this and then like you can say you did it at least, you know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. For some people like the production aspect of everything that I'm very tired about is what they're passionate about. And they love taking like a creative output and turning it into, um, you know, an album or like a produced song or like whatever. And that's great. Um, Oh yeah. I, I mean, I basically like, you know, it's like DIY is like arts and crafts for me in that, in that sense too, you know, like, um, like I actually would like to learn how to like, sew and crochet and stuff like, but, but like for now, like, you know, making like tape cases out of, um, cardboard and stuff is like hitting that, um, it's hitting that itch for me. So, you know, uh, yeah. later on, it'll be the other thing. Like when I'm done making you know, uh, done screen printing, um, reversed out like recycled album jackets, you know, then, uh, I'll be making like sweaters and stuff for people. But, um, for now it's still, still records. Um, You said like from a pretty early age that you were like you know playing around Indian stuff. Um, the first bands that I really knew like you to be a part of, and and I think that like this was like kind of like when we met was like 
you know, Mara Akate and Phoenix mm-hmm. Bodies. Like, um, was Mara Akate the first band that you were in where you like recorded for seven inches and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I joined that band when I was in high school. Um, so I went to a weird high school in Muncie, Indiana. I basically went to college for my last two years of high school. Oh, okay. Um, and the Maracate guys, they went to the university where my high school was, it was Ball State in Muncie. And um, I would go see bands and stuff in Muncie. And like right at the end of my junior year, um, I saw Maracate somewhere, like a YWCA or something like that, uh, and loved it and got their tape and was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, and it was like I was super into uh, like Botch had just come out with We Are the Romans and uh, – I had just seen like page 99 and orchid and stuff around that time. And I was like, all right, this is like a cool, interesting type of music that's happening right now. Um, and I just thought it was awesome. And I kind of just went back home to Indianapolis for the summer after like seeing them at the show. And then in fall, I go back, uh, to school and, um, Colin, the guitar player for Maracate, lived across the street in this little house, and we didn't know each other. Um, but they had a bunch of pictures from the last show that they had played, and I was in a bunch of them, and uh, like that they had on the refrigerator or whatever. And then they kept seeing me across the street, and him and this guy Adam Norris, who lived there and was in Phoenix Bodies like came over and introduced themselves and they started calling me across the street, Derek. That's who I was (laughs) for a while. And, uh, at some point, like their bass player, Clint and Maracate quit to do more like adult life things as you might do when you're 22 or whatever. I think he like moved to Australia or something. Um, and, uh, me and this guy from Indianapolis, Brian Allen, who was, and some other bands like that, uh, both like tried out to play bass and Brian played bass and they're like, we want you both to be in the band and we want to do like this electronic stuff or whatever with the music. So they gave me like this crazy, like computer setup, but I played the computer and Maracate for like four or five shows or something. Um, and, okay, and what uh, were you doing? Like playing like samples? <laughs> what was or? I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Samples. And I had like a sequencer, like a keyboard type thing that I would play along. Okay. Um, there's all sorts of stuff going on, but yeah, I don't really know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I, just, I remember. I remember that I had like a drive full of a whole bunch of samples, like wave files and stuff that I would um, play through, like, Winamp or something. I would just have them queued up and just, like, hit enter to play them at different times. And they just thought it was funny to have, like, a big whole, like, uh, CRT monitor, like, computer set up, um, like, on the stage. And I was, like, laying down and playing it. And I had, like, a some type of, like, Korg, like, synthesizer sequencer thing, too, that I would play. Um I only did that for like three or four shows. 
uh, Brian quit playing bass and I started playing bass and, um, I actually went on tour with them for the last two weeks of high school. Um, but our drummer, this is sad. I shouldn't be laughing, but his cousin committed suicide in the middle of the tour. So we canceled it like after the first day. And that's like when we broke up the first time. And it was funny because like Marakate and Usurp Synapse both broke up like the same week. Um, and yeah, <laughs> there were times where we were at shows that we were supposed to be playing, but we weren't. We were just like bummed that we were there and not playing for different reasons. Yeah. What the cousin wasn't with you all. Right? No, it was no, just no. like, was like y'all heard about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we heard about it, and he's like, "I have to go back home." Like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's that's that. I mean, that that'll do it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, I I've, I've certainly had to cancel tours for like less important reasons. Um, you know, just like mm-hmm. the drummer didn't bring like money to eat. Because <laughs> he thought we were going to get like paid mountains of cash every night or something, you know, just like, well, yeah. uh, you, you, you know, we're not going to make it to California on this, uh, in this uh, arrangement. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, that's, that's wild. And, and um, I mean, I, I'm looking like directly at, I guess, what you said was your bass rig for Maracate. I still, own that stuff that I bought from you uh, in 2002 or whatever, the uh, Lab Series head and the PV4 oh, yeah, by 12. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't have the bass anymore because the neck got warped, so I traded the body for, like, a different bass. But, um, cool. but yeah, I, I, that Lab Series is... Uh, uh, it is a workhorse it will do whatever it needs to do whenever it needs to do it i think it will outlive <laughs> both of us for sure um it already has it's probably older than both of us already oh yeah for sure those are those were like bb kings you know like that's yeah, yeah. they start making those you know i forgot that i sold that to you i thought that i i kind of remember having it and for some reason i thought that i bought it from you but I guess it was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were, um, because you just got like that. Now I don't, I don't remember like what the deal with, but you had just got that bass that was like, I want, like, I want to say it was like aluminum, but maybe I'm thinking maybe it wasn't yeah it it was oh okay okay yeah i bought a travis bean bass from a guy at missing link records that was just like hey i have this bass do you know anyone that'd want it and i was like hell yeah i want it because i loved like arab on radar and shellac and stuff Mm um and that was like 2001 or two or something like that yeah somewhere somewhere right around there and i i yeah i like I remember at the time I was like aluminum, like what? And so yeah, it was wild. And he sold it to me for like eight hundred bucks, which is you know for me at that time was like a lot of money. But yeah, those are like really coveted collectors' items now. They're, they sell for like four and five thousand dollars. I was gonna say because just a neck, like yeah. on a, <laughs> it will cost two grand now, right? Like something like yeah, that. Yeah, just yeah. like 
putting an aluminum neck on your squire or whatever. <laughs> I mean, hopefully yeah, it's, I still have it. It still sounds amazing. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. I never get rid of it. Um, you said that that was the first time that y'all broke up. So like, yeah, there was another time. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, so we got back together, um, because we got like an offer to tour in Europe or something like that. Uh huh. Um, I can't really remember all the details because we also like recorded a record, um, like that self-titled 12 inch or something. Right. I don't remember why we did that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's to have something to take, to have the, to like play on, to have with you at the shows on tour or. Well, no, that's what I'm getting at. Like. Oh. I don't remember like if we recorded it um before we got offered to go to Europe or recorded it and then we got offered to go on tour in Europe. Like I don't remember the timeline there. Oh, oh okay. Uh because we definitely made a record. It's the only record I've ever put out to sell on tour in Europe. We made a split with Rep Secchi. Um but yeah, we got back together and recorded that. And then we, yeah, we definitely recorded it. And then we got offered to go to Europe and we cobbled together like a lineup to go with like a new drummer. My pal Ben was playing drums and, uh, at the last minute, Josh, our singer couldn't go. So Antonio did vocals with us on that tour. Um, who was also in usurp synapse and was also in that, band of CDs stuff I found <laughs> whenever I go. Oh, so, really? Yeah. It's just like <laughs> the same mob of like eight people have been hanging out and doing stuff for, you know, 25 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I saw, I saw Antonio on the, on the Discogs like credits page for Maracate and I was like, I did not know that. So was that, was Antonio on any of the recordings or was just like, it was that, tour yeah he wasn't on any of the recordings oh, okay um, it was just that tour yeah because yeah josh was going to go and then just like after as we were buying all our plane tickets he was like no i can't go and we we're like oh okay <laughs> what, what to do now yeah. yeah we're still gonna go um so yeah antonio ended up coming along because yeah we had recorded three or five songs or something like that that ended up on the rep Secchi split mm-hmm. and we did that with josh josh was doing the vocals um but yeah i think he w- was getting married instead or something probably a much better decision <laughs> <laughs> was the tour bad was the tour in europe like bad or no it was no, great okay um, <laughs> just in I, the long was, run like yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 he's yeah. still with his wife so there you uh, go think it panned out good for him um yeah it sounds good no that tour was cool um brian our guitar player made like a dvd for it and it's mostly just like sets of other bands playing um we played with like yaga and off minor a whole bunch um and that's when i first met all my Italian pals. Um, so like Phoenix bodies and my band like bird brain and stuff played a bunch of shows with like rain and La Quieta. Um, and I'm still good pals with them. Like 
last year I went to Italy for my 40th birthday and it was like I was having a Italian bachelorette party. Um, <laughs> like Michele made all these t-shirts with like my, my name and it said like celebrating 40 years of Derek, um, but in Italian. So it was like, uh, I don't know, whatever, Ani Di Dario. Um, and there were like 10 people all wearing these shirts walking around Naples. Uh, <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, Ita- Italians do know how to do it. That's for sure. It's um, uh, I love it really so much. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I so I didn't know that uh, Bird Brain was a, a band that you were actually a part of because I thought – I remember the one of the last times when Rain came over that y'all toured with them, right? But like I thought you I thought I just m- misunderstood the 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 post or whatever that I saw when you were talking about it. I thought you were just like, "Oh, I'm filling in for this band." But that was a band that that you had gotten going after Phoenix Bodies then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you could say we were all filling in for the band because we didn't really do anything besides that tour. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, um, so like 12 years ago, I moved to Chicago from Indiana. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been, tra- after when I moved to Chicago, I got a job where I was traveling all the time. And I would go to L.A. the first week of every month, uh, Seattle the second week of every month, San Francisco the third week of every month, and the fourth week I would go somewhere else usually. Um, And Brian from Phoenix Bodies had just moved to L.A. kind of around the same time. And I would go there the first week of every month and we'd hang out. And he's like, oh, I want to start a band. And, like, you should be in it. You can just do vocals and do it, like, remote or whatever. Um, the band was pretty much just Brian wrote all the stuff with a couple other guys. Um, and they would send me stuff and I would write lyrics and whatever. So I was like a member of the band, but, um, we never actually practiced. Um, I would just get tapes and then like I went and I recorded vocals and like one or maybe two or three sessions uh, for two demo tapes that we made. And we then Brian booked this tour for rain and we were the opener on it. Um, and the first time that I ever played the songs with them was our very first show. Like we never practiced. Um, (laughs) Not even like one, like, just like earlier that afternoon was just like, okay, you're on the stage and it's time to go. No, nothing at all. Um, So we booked that tour and our drummer and our bass player both were like, oh, no, we can't do this at the last minute. Um, So we got Josh Kuntz to play bass for us. Um, He was in some bands like uh, Bullets and driving with our anchors and stuff. He's mm-hmm. an awesome dude. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, Josh was in KKO body with me for a, towards the end. Oh my God. I yeah. forgot that was a thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was playing bass and then we flew in our friend, Justin, who's a magician and plays in this band, the cell phones to play drums. Uh, Brian drove up from LA to San Francisco Justin flew into San Francisco and they practiced for like four hours or something. 
They're like, all right, we got it. Like we're all old and know how to play fast boot rock because we've been doing it our whole lives. So they were like <laughs> tight as fuck and like really good. And I was like in Seattle for work. I was like having business meetings with like Starbucks and Oracle and stuff. And uh, I was just, yeah, this was a stark moment. So I was in, I was in Seattle for work. I was staying at a five-star hotel that was just like the company is paying for everything and like getting room service every day. I was getting like an almond croissant and vanilla black tea, like brought to my room in the morning before I had meetings and stuff all day. And then, uh, as soon as like my quote unquote vacation started, Josh picked me up in this like rusted out like van with like nine other people in it. <laughs> like, I just crawl in there and uh, we go to our show and I was like, we had already like recorded uh, our demo and it was on Bandcamp and I was like Googling the lyrics to our songs. because I forgot them, which was nice. <laughs> like, I put it on and, uh, it was cool. Like, and this is like a weird thing too. This is kind of like why I was like, I don't want to play music anymore. Uh, that band was well received and the shows were like really good. And like people were singing along to these songs that had just like existed for a few weeks. And I was just like, I don't really derive pleasure out of this. Like I used to anymore. Like everything's great, but like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like juicing me up. Like um, at the, the time I was super into just like traveling and camping and going to national parks and stuff like that. And I was like, I would rather be doing that than playing in this band. Um, but yeah, that was a fun band. And all we did was that tour. Uh, we got back from tour. We were going to do some other stuff. And then like our real bass player, quote unquote, like threw a fit about something. And we're just like, we're too old to like get in arguments about if you want to play a show or not. So we're just not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that, uh, you know, the fact that the crowd knew the lyrics better than you was the straw that broke your back. It was just, <laughs> no, just like, they, they look, when well. they know they're the songs better. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's... No, they knew, the, they knew the easy, catchy songs, and I definitely knew those, but there, okay. were, there were some goofy things going on. So, like, at the time, I was super into that band Wrangler Brutes uh-huh. um, that Sam McFeeders was in. And they have this song called like unmentionables where it's just like so many words, like so fast and it's like so unhinged. I loved it. And there was like some song I made that was all just like tongue twisters. And I was trying to like sing like real fast. I thought it was really silly and I forgot like what that was and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I intentionally like try to not, I, I'm always like, I write too many words. I need to write less words and I try. And mm-hmm. then I'm still like, this is too many words. Like, right. I, I do remember a time when I was like younger and you're playing like in bands with a, with a D beat part, you know, in mm-hmm. every song. And I was just like, oh, you should, you should just like, oh, just, just fire off at the mouth, just like blah, 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 blah. And, and um, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> like that's not no let's not do that i use up yeah. all the words you know i'm like like bands that have like bands that have like a three minute song and it's just like four lines i'm like that is so cool like but i just <laughs> can't shut up i guess i don't know yeah um, <laughs> i mean so oftentimes like 
lyrics are just like for some people an afterthought or they almost like a necessary evil where it's like, Oh, I made a song. I guess we had to like sing on it. And like so many times it's just like bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like, I also at the time, I think that like I appreciated, but also sort of annoyed me too. was like people would feel like they needed to explain their song and like talk about what the song meant to them and why they wrote it. And I was just, I always just thought like, if you just wrote better lyrics, you wouldn't need to do that. You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's a a topic that just came up. Like, but like my friend who brought this topic up is like a, has like a doctorate in English. So it's not, it's it's not exactly a a fair, like, you can't yeah, and like, you I'm can't counter that discussion you know? with him is what I'm trying to say. You can't say, well. <laughs> well, no, but like where I'm coming from initially too is just like, hey, we just want to create something with our friends and maybe we're not good at it. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. maybe you're not great at writing lyrics and you want to express what this means to someone and you have to go talk about it. That's, that's fine. Um, for me though, that was always a goal. Like I didn't want songs – I didn't want to have to explain my lyrics. I was fine with there being like ambiguities, Mm -hmm. but if there were, it was on purpose. And uh, sometimes they were for me to understand if people actually were coming from the same place that I was. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I used to write, like I've talked about this before where it's like, I used to write a lot of uh, songs in, in like a, from a, different person's perspective and that like i i never looked at it the way that you did like that would have actually have been helpful like yeah and but it's like i do i have had that interaction where it's like someone is like yeah this is my favorite song from this record and they like quote some lyric that i'm like yeah like that, that's that's from the point of view of like a really like shitty person like that's you're supposed to know mm-hmm. that that's like you that's not yeah. an okay thing to say or whatever you know what i mean like and mm-hmm. so and it really does it is a litmus test in a in a way where you're just like yeah okay we're done talking right now you know like <laughs> yeah, if yeah, that's yeah. your takeaway mm-hmm. um Exactly. But yeah, it did it did inform like how I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to write lyrics like that. But um I mean, if I had my way at a show like because for some reason the last like I I I I didn't used to get like nervous before playing or whatever. And then at some point I started getting nervous before playing. So now I'm just like I really like other people like want to tune their guitars and stuff. And like, that's understandable, but I'm always just like the person that like, I feel awkward silence is like a, a knife, like, you know, being thrown right at me. And it's like, if I had my way, it would just be like, that song's over. Click, click, click next song.
I, I don't mind, you know, just being like, okay, this song is about this, you know? And I think that some bands uh, were good at like creating a dialogue, you know, based on like, like Tom Schlatter's bands, I feel like we're always really good at that. Like, you know, sure. creating a dialogue by sort of saying like, this is what the song's about. And like, you know, like we're starting this dialogue so people can take better care of each other, I guess, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, it is interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, if you, on the one hand, like, you know, if the lyrics are really good, then you can take them to mean a lot of things. And I don't know, that's a fine line, I guess, where it's like, like, or if they're really good, they're only going to mean one thing. Right, right. That's that's how I was <laughs> you know? trying to like, yeah, that's the you reverse. Can, can, it is like sometimes it's your intention to mean possibly many things and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like with Phoenix Bodies and a lot of bands that I was in, for me, the, the live show was a thing unto itself. It wasn't about like, here are our songs and you can hear them and we're going to play them for you. And this is what they're about. It was like, here is this like fucking ridiculous explosion of like energy and silly stuff that is really just like the sentiment that you're going to get out of like a basement show anyway. Like you're not going to hear like what the guitar and drums like actually sound like. You're not going to understand what I'm like yelling through a microphone that may or may not work. Like let's just make this like one big expression and like truly like entertainment almost. Cause that's the, the main reason people are going to these things is like when the band is actually playing, it's to have fun. Um, And then, you know, you can chat and be, you know, contemplative about things later or in between or something. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was all just about setting a moment and a scene um, and not really about like presenting um, a song. Like the performance was a different thing unto itself. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I I think... Like I've always just like I've always just looked at it as it's like the it's its own version of the songs or whatever, you know, like because it's like you said, like yeah, you're not you're not you're not you don't even know like what kind of uh, uh what kind of acoustics experience or whatever that you're going into. Like it's to be you can be as like well practiced as whatever you want, but something can turn it on its ear, like almost every single time in those yeah. kinds of situations. So yeah, you just go, you just go for it. And like, you know, that's for sure what y'all were trying to do with like, you know, the toilet paper rolls and the body parts <laughs> everywhere. And uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I wanted to, you know, like, I think we kind of, got there as far as like you know what your mission statement was with that is is to just like to be expressive and create a and almost like a just a, a like a lasting uh 
unique memory slash experience, you know, with, with, with each show. But like, I was curious, like, you know, that there had to be times when that didn't go over very well. So like, what's your, yeah, but we never wanted it to go over very well. It was a thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, you you know, y'all, when y'all played my basement, you're like, we're going to do this, but it's like, we're going to take well, care of it. That's because we liked you. Okay. Fair. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> like, that's what we do. If we knew, if we liked and respected and knew, we would always do like check in because we, because I was like super into DIY and booking shows and running spaces. And like the last thing we'd ever want to do is get a place shut down. Mm-hmm. And I swear that we did or we were banned from places a bunch of times. But uh, yeah, we were going to do something stupid like every night. One of the most infamous things that happened is we were playing a fest and I was just like milling about the hundreds of people that are there or whatever. And uh, Thomas, who was our other singer at the time, was just drinking a gallon of strawberry milk. And I'm like, why do you have this milk? He's like, oh, I'm drinking all this. I'm going to throw up all over you while we play. And I was like, God damn it, you're not. <laughs> and uh, he sure enough did. But and like he tried to throw up on me, but he missed. And he just threw up all over someone like in the front row of the crowd. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. And there was just like gross like half digested strawberry milk all over like everything so i mean yeah stuff would go wrong all the time <laughs> like that <laughs> but it was like on purpose and like a lot of the nudity and stuff too was because we were playing like this hyper like masculine tough like loud music and we would get lumped in with like hardcore bands and like we were not about like beat down music or violence or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people would like start like being violent at our shows, like our way to deflect it would be like, I would grab them and give them a kiss or like we would just like get naked and jump on top of them. Um, and it would deflect the whole situation and like completely change the dynamic of that. Um, and yeah, we would get in fights and stuff, uh, like whatever. But I was, it was always just like, let's shut down like this nonsense, tough guy thing that's going to like hurt people that are not paying attention or not ready for it and just bring it directly to us. Cause if we're causing you to do that, we'll take the brunt of it. It's like, fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was the was the strawberry milk thing like that? You said that was the most infamous. Was that like, <laughs> w- like I don't I don't mean like worst. Like, but is that the like? Was there an instance where y- you know the the venue was just like yeah no more? You said you got like banned from venues. Like, what was? The yeah, um, the only one that I can remember immediately is uh, there was some place in Bloomington, Indiana, it was like a video store or something, and they also had shows. And we played there with an albatross who were also pretty wild. And like, we got an email the next day, like, both bands were banned, we could never play there again. <laughs> um, 
I don't remember what happened. I don't yeah. think it was anything. See, I, you know? I, at a show that I played in high school, <laughs> I thought it would be a really cool idea to, uh, I worked at my uncle's restaurant and we bought like, like I asked my uncle, I said, can I buy a case of the jello that you make for the salad bar? Like, can I buy it like the wholesale price and can I make it here at work and take it out in these like (laughs) 10 gallon, like pig buckets. And he's like, yeah, you can, I don't care. Yeah. So we had like five of these like 10 gallon pig buckets full of jello. And we took it to the show that we played at this place that was basically like, it used to be a red lobster, but then somebody <laughs> else bought it. And it was like, you know, it was like a, a restaurant like that, but it, but they let us have this show there and I will um, come back to live music if I can only play places that used to be around lobster. <laughs> right? <laughs> the whole tour. <laughs> and, and, and like we and and everyone in my band knew that this was about to happen, but no one else knew that this was about to happen. And we brought out the jello and we just like threw it at everyone, like mm-hmm. while we were playing. And like everyone was having a good time. Everyone was like throwing it at each other and everyone was like, whatever. And, but then it like the PA that we brought was like our singer's dad's PA and it got on the PA and it was this, like, it didn't ruin anything. It was this, it was oh, a okay. huge mess, obviously. And so like the singer was like real mad and like he knew all about it. So it was whatever, but like, uh, we we did try to just like leave <laughs> after and not clean it up and and like it didn't I, I mean I was like 17 you know so like I, I was yeah, just like sure. you know and um and they're like oh no you don't <laughs> and so we yeah, we were there for like a couple hours and we, you know we like I said we were 17 so there was no way we did a good job like cleaning that up you know but like yeah. we were there a couple hours like cleaning that up and um and it was yeah that was like uh like you know our band almost broke up because of that and we weren't allowed to play <laughs> at this former red lobster anymore and it was like it's it's really funny at this point, you know, because it's just like, oh, boo-hoo, you know, like, but, um, yeah, I like, um, I figured that, you know, y'all had to have had a way wilder story than, than Jello or, you know, but the, the vomit. That's... Oh, yeah, there's like a lot of them. Um, yeah. There's like two or three that come to mind. Like, one that could have been really bad and wasn't is uh, we played this festival in Detroit with like, Black Dahlia Murder and all these like metalcore bands and stuff. Uh, and there were tons of people there. And we had done a few things. We brought a pinata that we filled full of flour. So <laughs> when people smashed it open, they just got white flour all over their like black t shirts and hair and stuff, which we thought was hilarious. Uh, that was the harmless piece of that. We also brought this old copy machine that I had. And we were taking like copies of each other's asses like on stage while we were playing and throwing those out into the crowd. And 
we started smashing the copy machine and the copy machine had this huge plate of glass in it. Oh, no. And I picked up this huge plate of glass and I just threw it like into the pit and it didn't hit anyone. But like, as soon as I let go, I was like, oh my God, that oh. was the dumbest thing possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I probably could have killed somebody. Yeah. Um, well, luck was on <laughs> everyone's side that day. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. People How, were more what? mad about the pinata full of flour than me throwing a piece of plate glass at people. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this copy machine come from? How did you have a copy machine that A, worked, and B, uh-huh. you could just trash? Oh, it was really old. I got it at like a garage sale or like a free table or something, like a school was giving away. Um, it was not like cutting edge technology. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, like, I definitely was in a band where, like, the the singer, like, brought TVs and we smashed them, which is, like, mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, plenty of, I've seen plenty of bands do that. And, like, now yeah. that I'm, like, a little more reasonable, I'm, like. Gang of Four does it every night still. It's, like, yeah, that could have been a bad time in a couple instances <laughs> where, like, somebody's smashing a TV with a bat and then just, like, throws it. You know, like yeah, and glass kind of, gets in someone's eye or yeah, something or like that. It, it just like you know lands on someone, and the glass is in <clears> the the weight of a you know a thirty pound TV or whatever. And yeah, I don't know, scary. But I mean, I don't know. I think the scariest thing with that band was when uh, the we played at this one. Uh, place and it was a motorcycle repair shop but they had shows there and it was like in like uh georgia or alabama i can't remember exactly um Mm -hmm. and uh the the vocalist like was told like one rule was like do not touch any of those bikes because like the bikes that they were fixing were just like there in a row and of course he does like a he just like first song just like gets up and starts walking across them like he's crocodile dundee or something and i thought we were gonna get murdered like i thought we were (laughs) but the guy just like came over and just like straight just like yanked him off the bikes and then we just kept playing and that was that was that but um yeah um i don't know it's it's yeah we're we're both telling like the worst stories and at the same time we're like if we could, if, if, if we still didn't know any better, like that would be fun. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the way it is. It's, um, a little jello, a little flower, you know, it, people get mad. And in the end it's, uh, like, I bet that that, um, like if, if anybody is still mad about the jello that now, if anybody's still <laughs> mad about the flower, like, come on, you know? Yeah. But, um, that was yeah. 22 years ago or something. Yeah, I'm, or <laughs> it's just like, I could sell this shirt for $200 on Depop if it weren't ruined with flour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, you know, you've said a couple of times that, you know, you're, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not interested in like, doing um music like for people and stuff but like you you still 
kind of found a way to be a part of like that scene with like tectonic tourist was that a consideration of yours like um when you started like the company or whatever was it like this is a way that i can still contribute in some way or be a part of that or was that just like for sure um i mean really uh it came about and a chain of like long events, like, um, the first times of the tour to Europe, I became really enamored with, uh, the guy who I think I still is in business, this guy Smoof, uh, in the Netherlands that we'd rent our equipment from. Uh, I just thought he was really cool and had like nice stuff. And, uh, I just thought it was a neat business. Um, and then when I was in grad school, um, like, not touring too much. Uh, I had a big van that I'd bought from like doing road construction and stuff um, that I rented out when I wasn't on tour. And it was just like the only way I had any money when I was in grad school. Um, And it was nice and easy to run that business. And I had had all these nice memories of like running stuff on tour in Europe. Um, And I was like, I could do that. So, um, after I had had some money saved up, like I bought a van, I already had some equipment around and really just kind of started the company as an excuse to buy like every guitar amp. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's really all it came down to. So now I have this like crazy collection of stuff. Um, but yeah, I like helping people out. Like my rates are really cheap compared to everything else on the market. Um, and it's like punk rock, like you're going to get something that's reliable and works, but you know, maybe like the ceiling is like stained and gross or whatever. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's helped, helped me reconnect with some people too. Like, um, I'm sure like I would have saw the usurp guys this weekend anyway, but you know, they reached out to me well in advance of them playing or anything like that. Cause they needed a van. Um, and yeah, it just keeps me in touch with people. It's, it's nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And it, it totally like makes sense how it's <laughs> like, I mean, just to, to be able to have an excuse to like, you're like, you know, I've always wanted to, play one of those like why don't i just get one and uh yeah 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 because somebody yeah somebody will need to use that and um yeah so i mean of course i have this like 5150 or whatever it is you know i don't um, i currently need to buy one um and i might but i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> not this your vibe huh? like, you need a 5150 and another guy emailed me he's like do you want to buy my 5150 and i'm like yes i do but i don't want to spend a thousand dollars right now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, very fair. I've, um, I've almost ended up with one like at a very good price, but it would have had to been shipped to me. And I was like, Oh, I am so nervous about that part that yeah. I was just like, mm, maybe not. Like I, I mean, I've had to ship amps and stuff from here to California because, um, my pal Brian that was in Phoenix bodies helps me run the business out of LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all right. It'll, yeah. it'll work. It's okay. just like, so, I mean, like, I ship a record to Milwaukee, and that's like th- 
three hours from here in a car mm -hmm. and it shows up yeah. and it looks like a dog chewed on it and someone, <laughs> like you know put it in a yeah. parakeet cage and yeah, like i i'm just like yeah i don't know like this has tubes in it and it's uh but yeah, yeah it's I well sometimes bands will buy stuff from like fender or Hiwat or they're sponsored and they'll mail me stuff and they just send the whole damn thing like all put together like a 300 watt tube bass amp will just show up in like a box with some styrofoam in it i'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how they do it yeah um, it's it's wild they must i mean i don't know they like Maybe they have some YouTube kind of... YouTube is a great resource if you need an amp shift. There's pretty much a video for every exact type of amp. How you take the tubes apart, how you wrap them up to ship it. Um, so I bought like a Fender Twin from some guy for like 400 bucks, like a 73 Silverface one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll get this shipped because you know, it's $400. I'll give them $550 to ship it really nice. And yeah, I got it and it was great. So <laughs> it's yeah, worth it sometimes. <laughs> Now I'm I'm having the FOMO on that 5150, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's wild. It's like you know we had we had like been at shows uh, twenty something years ago, and then we've only really run into each other twice since then <laughs> and um yeah it, it's it's weird how like you know this kind of music that was just like barely a thing when we like met each other is still like bringing people together and everything um yeah yeah i mean i ran into dave rudnick in milwaukee yeah that's uh, awesome and like we were talking about when we first met, which was at the Greenbush house in like 1998 or something like that. No shit. That um, was like one of the seven days shows was the first time. No, no, no. It was a Kung Fu Rick show. Oh, Kung Fu Rick even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it was weird then because like, <laughs> I was like, you almost killed me because he jumped <laughs> off the camp with his base and I was like 15 or something and weighed like a hundred pounds. And he was like 20 and like fully grown. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's giant. If you don't know this guy, he's yeah. like six, four, probably two twenty or something like all muscle. Um, and I was like, it's funny. I get to see you today. Cause like when I first met you, you almost ended my life. And at the time you were like so much older than me, but now we're basically like the same age and we're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. And, and like, we were talking driving up there. They're like, "This." I think that's the only person we know in Milwaukee that might be at this show. And sure enough, he showed up. It was great to see him. Yeah, I, I, I have run into Dave a few times, and uh, it's always wonderful. Not as often as I'd like. I I do end up in Milwaukee a lot, but um, oh, yeah, but yeah. Well, I was uh, in a am in a band. I mean, we haven't played in forever, but. And everybody else lives in Milwaukee. So it's like we get asked like as the local a lot, you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> and sure. and it's just like me driving um, eight hour round trip 
to play for yeah. 13 minutes, you know? That's what it was like with Phoenix Bodies. None of us ever lived in the same town. Like, all of us, pretty much all the time, all lived in at least four different cities. Um, and then, like, we didn't, like, have, like, a real breakup. It was just, like, uh, Thomas moved to North Carolina, to Asheville. Kevin moved to Charlotte. I moved to Chicago, Brian moved to LA and then Kevin moved to Portland, Oregon. And yeah, we just don't live anywhere near each other. (laughs) It's just kind of like, that's that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that'll do it. I mean, I, I don't know. I keep waiting for that time where I am like, yeah, maybe it's like the reward is outweighed by the effort. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, well, but, I mean, hopefully it never comes. Like, it's great that you have sources of joy in your life. There's yeah, nothing to yeah, judge about. For um, sure. So, like, don't be like, well, this is coming, or I hope it is. Like, if you love something and it's still awesome, then continue to love it, man. Like, it's great. Yeah, for sure. Um. Is like, is there anything else that we should chat about? Like, I mean, you know, we've kind of covered everything. Like, it, it it's not that often when I have a conversation for the show where like somebody doesn't have something to plug or I mean, you know, yeah, we, man, I have, I have no agenda. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's totally fine. It's it's chill. It's just like, yeah. um, I I never yeah, there's, know like there's no reunion happening there's no dude fest happening um people always ask me if I'm ever going to do that stuff again I'm like if you want Phoenix Bodies to play a show like you can be in the band like go for it like, you do it <laughs> <laughs> like you could spend the six thousand dollars it's going to cost just to have a practice um oh, <laughs> like, yeah wow <laughs> like go for it um yeah, like I have no agenda. Um, just happy to chat, reconnect, all that sort of stuff. For sure. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess just to put a pin on it, like if uh, folks are out there and they're, you know, looking for uh, gear rental or van rental for a tour, I've sent a couple of people your way. I don't know how that's worked out, whether any, anyone's been in your touch or whatever in touch with you or whatever, but yeah. it's just uh tectonic tourist.com. Right. And, um, yep. that's how you can get in touch. And, uh, you know, the van might smell funky, but it's going to be cheap and it's going to run well. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't <laughs> smell bad, but it happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, I have that going on. I, um, like again, it's, it's a side project in my life. So sometimes it takes me a week or two to get back on emails and stuff. So, And that was my conversation with Derek Black. Thank you so much, Derek, for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks to all of y'all for listening as well. Don't forget to stop by patreon.com slash human machine and follow us on Instagram at everything remade. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>